Block Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Five fans to the two minute round. You're hooked and zapped. Look at female boxing. This is episode number 114. Today, July 15th, here from Southern California and Northern California. My name is Felipe Leon, and with us all the way from the Bay Area of Northern California is Mrs. Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thank you. Hi, everybody. Hi, Felipe. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. There you go. And like she just mentioned, we do have. From Southern California, the Inland Empire, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, very good. How are you? Good, good. Well, thank you. Well, we don't have a guest today. We usually have a guest. We've done uh, some shows out of the 114 that we've done throughout the years where we don't have a guest. We decided not to have a guest today because there's a lot to talk about, not only in the past fights that have happened in the last couple of weeks where we're pretty significant, but also... Um, a little bit of what's coming up. Not a lot of fights are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Our next show is scheduled for July 29th. Um, but also some news that has popped off in the last couple of weeks regarding female boxing, some fights that have been announced, and also a couple of other things. So with that said, let's move on and start off with the fight results to Saturday, July 3rd in Belgium. Delphine Persoon, the former 135 WBC champion, who dropped down to 130 pounds, captured the vacant IBO intercontinental title with the unanimous decision in a 10-rounder over Elena Gradinar. Scores there were 189 two times in 99-89. So I believe Pursuin is trying to build herself up as a name at 130 pounds because, quite frankly, and I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but the IBO title, I mean, at one point was somewhat significant. Now it really isn't, and for her to capture an intercontinental version of it, it doesn't really say much. Just the fact that she is getting some rounds under her belt and trying to make a name for herself to maybe attract somebody in the um, 130-pound title where she could uh, have a good showing. Do you agree with that, David? Uh, well, I, I think the IBO is, is very much valued in Europe, and it's starting to find some kind of traction over here. But but I, I see what you're saying. I, I think she wants to get a foothold in there so she gets first crack at Terry Harper. Well, that could be too. Um, also, on the, the same day, uh, on Saturday, July 3rd, from the Diggity Hill Sports hey, Park in Los Angeles, California. Sorry, so, can I add something to that? Sure, go ahead. I, yes. I just wanted to add, you know, because since she went uh, from pro back to the amateurs to trying to get to the Olympics, you know, taking one of those belts really isn't – it's so, you know what I mean? Like, in her mindset, it's okay. Because she already went back to the amateur. I'm just stuck yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, just kind of like a title, you know, just to kind of say that, you know, she has something and that she's, you know, not just any fighter, but she has like somewhat of a title. I mean, the Intercontinental, I mean, doesn't really say much. But, uh, but you know, it keeps her, it keeps us talking about her, so... We'll see. Um, 
if in her next fight, maybe she is part of that uh, tournament that has been talked about, that they, we talked about in our last show, that they didn't actually, they haven't named any, any new news for it, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, from the Dignity Hill Sports Park in Los Angeles, California, Gabriela Fundora scored a unanimous decision in a four-rounder at 112 pounds over Indeya Smith. Scores over 39-37. Three times four-rounder, Gabriela Fundora, the younger sister of the 154-pound prospect, Sebastian Fundora. But also, it, after this fight, it was announced that she will be fighting, I think, in Panama in the next couple of months for the interim WBA flyweight title. So only in her third fight in, we do know that she comes from a very accomplished boxing family, but only her third fight. And it goes to say that she is being uh, managed by Samson Lekowicz, who is a veteran in the boxing world who actually discovered uh, Manny Pacquiao, among many, many others, um, is the one that is uh, managing her career. So with that said, they're putting her on the fast track, and in her next fight, she's going to be challenging for the vacant um, interim WBA title. I think we believe that it's pretty quickly in her career um, to be challenging for a title like that, David. Do you think it's just kind of like that's the politics of boxing and we just got to go with it? Uh, in a way, yes. But, I mean, it really means nothing when you only have three fights and you haven't built a following. It's kind of like useless spending. Why not just use that money to build her up instead of paying for a sanctioning fee. I agree with that. But, I mean, there is money there since, like I mentioned, Samson Likowitz is very well known and he does have a, somewhat of deep pockets with throughout the, the fighters that he has discovered and, and currently manages. Lupe, do you think that once winning the title as fans and the boxing public, we should demand for her to fight way bigger opposition than this um, uh, Indeya Smith and quite possibly the, the young woman that she's going to be facing for that title i think she already has an opponent let me check real quick who it is but once winning the title do we have the right to demand her to face fighters in the top 10 or even in the top 15 yeah i mean once you go for that title it's fair game you know because now you have a target on your back and people are going to want that title so you know i mean you know it's um all who you know but that's not a bad thing you know, because we all get by on our contacts or who we know. But, yeah, you're fair game now, I think. Now, she's facing Natalie Delgado, who actually is a little bit of a step up. And her last opponent, Gabriela Fundora, faced Indeya Smith, who had one win, one loss, and one draw. And now Natalie Delgado is actually a step up with seven wins, three losses, and one draw three of her wins by knockout. She's never been knocked out, even though she's gone eight rounds against Yadisa Perez. Um, she lost to her. She lost to Eva Guzman in a split decision, also an eight-rounder. And she lost to Luciel Kiel um, in a six-rounder in a majority decision. So her 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 losses have been hard-fought losses, majority decisions, split decisions. She hasn't really faced anybody. Um, another, yeah. another reason why, I don't know why she's getting a title shot. But it is a little bit of a step up for, for uh, Gabriela. So we'll see if she ends up winning that title. And that fight, the title fight, is scheduled for September 10th. So, uh, and that's going to be, I believe, in uh, in Panama. Yeah, it's going to be in Panama. So, uh, there is that. On Sunday, July 4th in Argentina, Evelyn Bermudez 
Uh, one of the Bermuda's sisters scored a ninth round TKO over Tamara Elizabeth DeMarco in a 10 rounder to defend her IBF 108 pound title. And her sister, Roxana Bermudez, gets back in the winning column with the unanimous decision in the sixth rounder, also at 108, over Jennifer Sabrina Mesa. Scores there were 59 55 and a very razor thing, two of them 57 56 two times. So she. Uh, she got uh, she got the decision right there. And on Friday, July 9th in L.A. at the Bank of California Stadium, brand new, brand new stadium out there in downtown Los Angeles. On Facebook Live and also on The Zone, Naoko Fuyoka uh, defended her WBO 112-pound title with the majority decision over Sulem Urbina. Scores there were 99-91 and 96-94 for Fuyoka and an even 95-95. WBA. Oh, WBA. 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 Uh, and uh, Tsunami Tenke, this was for the WBO light flyweight title in the 10 round of Cienes Estrada taking the title from Tenke, her second in as many divisions, 99-91 and 98-92 two times. So now Estrada is the 105-pound WBA champion and now the WBO light flyweight champion. David, you were in the house last Friday night. Why don't you give us your thoughts first on the Fuyoka Sulem Urbina fight and then on the Estrada 10K fight, and we'll and Lupe and I will tell you what we saw from out here from uh, on TV on the Zone and Facebook Live. Uh, what what I saw is that uh, Sulem Urbina had a pretty good game plan going in there. That was the best I've ever seen her, to tell you the truth. I mean, I've always thought she's a, a very good fighter, but on that night she really looked good. Um, I mean, she's facing a five division world champion and. Uh, she held her own. I mean, it was even Steven for all 10 rounds. Uh, and uh, I thought that uh, it was very, very close. I, I know one score had it, 99-91 for Ujioka, but I thought it was real close. I, 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 I could have even seen it as a draw. I did give it for Ujioka, but I, it could have been a draw. There was, it was that close of a fight. And then now, the uh, Estrada... Go ahead. Uh, the Estrada uh, Tsunami Tenkai fight, that was a, man, that that was another one. I mean, they were going back and forth in that one. It took a while for Tsunami to, to figure out uh, how to uh, fight Sinisa because Sinisa is very tricky, and then they went for it. I mean, that was pretty, the fans were really eating it up. I mean, that fight pretty much uh, had the crowd uh, roaring. There was a lot of fans for Sinisa. A lot of people from East LA showed up. Uh, they they were all sitting below it too, and uh, it was pretty impressive, including Danny Trejo, the the actor, he was right there front row yelling just like the rest of them. So it was it was pretty fun to watch. That was one of the best fights I've seen in a while. Actually, now, both of them. Now, one thing that we saw from from out here on TV, David, is that. Um, uh, Naoko Fuyoka began the fight kind of slow, not throwing a lot of punches, going to the body a lot, letting Urbina be the aggressor. You were kind of close to the camp. You you were able to have some conversations with him. Did you get a chance to ask him if that was the strategy or was Fuyoka having some issues as far as deciphering Sulem Urbina's style, and therefore it took her some rounds to get there. Uh, from what she told me, 
she hadn't fought in about two years. And um, she felt that she just took a long time to get going the first two rounds. And and then uh, when she finally figured out how to score, uh, even still, it was still took a little long when she decided to go to the body. Uh, and it wasn't even after that. It was still nip and tuck because uh, Sulem was able to change strategies right in the middle of the fight, too. I mean, I, I've never seen Sulem really uh, uh, fight that. Uh, I mean, she fought like a champion, and that was pretty impressive to, to see her mix it up, uh, change strategies, uh, you know, go from one style to another style, and and uh, actually showed really good defense because Naoko is a very aggressive fighter, and uh, she couldn't touch uh, Sulem for a couple of rounds there. And then it slowly got into a, a dogfight, but I think that was more because Sulem chose to make it a dogfight later on. But it was pretty impressive. Now, Lupe, this is the second fight that we see Urbina jump up to what we would call world-class uh, opposition. You know, the first one was against Marlene Esparza, and the second one was against Naoko Fuyoka. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, but what I see in the fight, I agree with David that she did uh, fight like a champion in this fight and possibly better than she did against Marlene Esparza. But what I saw is that in the second half of the fight, when she needed, she needed to adjust, when Fuyoka started kind of bringing a different strategy and a different game plan, and it was time for Sulem Urbina uh, to adjust to that game plan, we didn't see her do that. Do you agree with that, or did you see something else? Oh, that she didn't? She did not. She was. She did not um, adjust in the second half, just like she didn't, in, in my opinion, in the Marlene fight, and that's why it kind of like, you know, we saw uh, Fuyoka win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in the first half, it was nothing um, what she looked like against Marlene. I think fighting a champion was a great fit for Sulem, you know? Um I mean, like David said, Sulem held her own against the five-division world champ. Uh, uh, what I think Sulem needs, I think she needs to find her jab. I think she really needs to. But I love the toe-to-toe excitement. I think it was, a, it was an exciting fight. It was great for boxing. But I wish she would find her jab. I think it would really help uh, for better success. But I'm not taking away you? from the fight because that was a, great, that was a good fight. Great fight. How about you, David? Do you agree with that assessment that when she needed to adjust in the second half of the fight, she did she didn't she wasn't able to do it? And I think that's something that we saw as well in the um, in the um, um, in the Marlene Esparza fight. Um, actually, I think you know, as most fighters, most fighters when they're in a close fight, they think they won. Now, she probably felt, I don't know this for sure, but I think Sulem probably felt she was winning anyway, fighting that way. And I think, because she, she was connecting. She was connecting with big shots to the head while Puyoka was attacking the body. And I think she felt she was winning the exchanges. But apparently the judges saw it differently. Well, actually only two judges did. One judge saw it a draw. Yeah. You know, Sulem had apologized the next day on her social media, and she's like, I'm sorry. You know, she didn't owe anybody an apology at all. 
you know, I don't know why she thought she had to do that, but she did not. It was a great fight. She just didn't pull it off. She didn't pull it off oh, against, can we say that Nyoko is going to be 46 in August? That's incredible. What incredible shape she's in. Oh, yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that that they mentioned on the telecast, and I'm thinking, David, you weren't able to catch it, was that after the Marlene Esparza fight, you know, Urbina and her husband, who is also her trainer, Andrew Soto, spoke about maybe having her um, find a new trainer, that maybe things weren't working out. I mean, Andrew basically has built her from the amateurs, and she had a very extensive and successful amateur career, and he has built her from the amateurs. Her whole career, I mean, it's her husband. I mean, it's pretty hard to leave your your husband and trainer. I mean, obviously, she's not going to leave her husband, but, I mean, as a trainer – and that they spoke about maybe making a change in the corner. And then it came, they had a conversation and it came down to maybe she kind of needed to listen more to him um, in the corner as a coach, perhaps. You know, that's what the conclusion that they came to. Um, and, and he's still there, you know. So that was something that I found interesting in, um, in, in, in that they mentioned. Um, we did see the adjustments. Uh, obviously, there weren't enough. Do you think, David, that she should move up to super flyweight? I mean, she's tried twice to win somewhat of a title against the top echelon of the um, division, two of them, Marlene Esparza and Fioca. Do you think it will be time for her to move on and look for a uh, maybe a super flyweight division? You know, it's funny because I talked to uh, uh, several other uh, female champions, and uh, they they were really pleased about the uh, both fights, and one of them said something really interesting. She said that uh, that she can see Sue Lem winning a world title in either the flyweight or superfly. She says it's just that she's gone up against really girls that could beat her, and she says uh, this other girl said that uh, she knows that there's other world champions that she knows Sue Lem can beat. And, uh, you know, so it's r- really her pick, 112, 115. I think she could handle both because she is very strong, very strong girl. Yeah. And that's another thing we could say about Sulem and Marlon. But Sulem, she takes the real tough fight. She's not skating by. And I admire that. Well, let's, uh, let's, see, what, let's see what we have here. At, at flyweight, we have Naoko Fuyoka, who she, who she fought and uh, was not able to uh, beat. She, Marlene Esparza is a WBC champion. They already fought Marlene Esparza mm-hmm. leader. And then we have Leona Paola Yudica from Argentina, 16-0. And then Deborah Ani, Anaí Lopez, from, also from Argentina, 16-0. Both of them are 16-0. IBF and WBO, respectively. So, I mean, it would just be a matter of Golden Boy trying to get these Argentinians out of uh, – their home country and bringing them to the United States or sending Urbina down there and try to see if she could win a title in their home soil. So there might be some opportunities at flyway. Now a super flyway at WBA, we have Maribel Ramirez who is 13 and nine. She may be able to beat there. We have Lourdes Juarez who we're going to be talking about a little bit later on. Um, and in the, in the, as an interim champion for the WBC, Sonia Osorio. Then we have in the IBF, Micaela Lujan, for Argentina, and then we have Miguel Yoshida, who just captured her title not too long ago, recaptured the title. So she might have some opportunities there. If anything, you know, if anything, 
I mean, I just thought of it right now. If you know, having some kind of an elimination bout between um, uh, uh, Urbina and Adelaida Ruiz at one fifteen, and whoever wins that fight gets a shot at the title. Oh, wow! That's, that's a like great that. fight. Yeah, I like that. All right, so then uh, going, moving on to the, the tsunami ten K fight. David gave us his thoughts. What I saw is, you know, I think that Senke was Estrada's toughest opponent yet inside the ring. I mean, maybe, you know, her record is deceiving. She doesn't have that great of a record as far as wins and losses. She has a lot of losses, but we all know about her experience. She was coming off a draw against Naoko Fuyoka, and in this fight, she was able to make Estrada missed the most I've ever seen anybody make Estrada miss, and she was able to land punches on Estrada more than I ever seen. In fact, I believe that 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 10K landed the harder punches in the fight. It was just that Estrada landed more. Lupe, do you agree with that? I totally agree with with everything you just said. And again, love the toe to toe fight, but it absolutely was Sinise's toughest fight, and vice versa. And, I, you know, I was going to say, I've never seen Sinesa get hit and miss like that before. You know, um, they both have, like, an awkward style. And I don't mean, like, a goofy style. It's just awkward. Sinesa moves. She keeps switching, you know. And I think for both of them, it, they, it threw them both off. And, but it made for an incredible fight. And it was, it was so impressive. And it was, it was great. It was great for boxing. And I say great for boxing on both. Not great for female boxing. Great for boxing, period. But yeah, I thought everything you said. Exactly. Anything to add, David, uh, on what I, what I mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because when they did the scores of 99-91, which I did not agree with, or even the 98-92, I I thought it was oh, a yeah. lot closer. And yeah. uh, I yeah. thought, uh, I mean, I thought Sinisa won the fight, but I thought it was a lot closer because each round was pretty close. There was no runaway rounds where one fighter could say, I easily won this round or easily lost that round. It was just very, very close. Sometimes it came down to the very last punch landed. No, you're right. Those cards were really lucky. They were wide. And, and that's so yeah. not fair because it doesn't tell the real story. But it was great. Great battle. Yeah, I agree. I agree that the 90, even the 98-92 was a little bit wide. I mean, I would have been... I would have been happy with the 97, 93, even a 96, 94 for Estrada. And then obviously we did get the 96, yeah. 94 on the Urbina fight. Um, but the 99, 91 was really a disservice to, um, to Sulem Urbina. And like Lupi says, you know, you don't get that whole fight. You don't get the whole story of the fight. Um, so that mm-hmm. is our fight results. Now let's move on to a little bit of fight chatter. And earlier this week, um, ESPN came out with their list of pound-for-pound female boxing. Now, before we we deep dive into the list um, and and to have full transparency, David and I were part of the ratings panel along with Lupe Gutierrez of the ESPN pound-for-pound listing. But for different reasons, uh, David and I have decided to um, excuse ourselves from the panel and Lupe continues to be part of the panel, so she keeps uh, being oh, able to vote. I'm on ring. You know what? I'm on ring. You're oh you're, yeah, you're, oh yeah you're I'm right you're the ring. you're a ring yeah. you're a ring well I'm yeah yeah I was 
Actually, yeah. So let me let me let me pull the the Ring magazine one, just so we could take a look at it because I think they have been Please, some changes. Please, I did on not it. put a hammer at number seven on the ESPN pound for pound. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so that way we could we could uh, we could compare compare them. But let's talk about let's talk about the 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 ESPN one that just came out. Uh, here it is. Okay, so let's go with the ESPN one first. Well, no, this is not the. I don't know how. What I don't know what the what's the latest. Uh, what's the When's the last time that they uh, that they uh, July uh, that they uh, women's boxing with they the last updated uh, women's boxing? Let me see here. Okay, here it is. Here's the most updated one. This was uh, not too long ago. Let me see. Well, doesn't matter. It wasn't that too long ago. But, uh, let me see when this was updated. Uh, well, it looks like it's the one that is. Uh, the update. Okay, so let's go into ESPN. So as number one, they have Katie Taylor. Her previous ranking was number two. And like in the Ring Magazine one and in the ESPN, her and Clarissa Shields have flip-flopped between one and two, depending who is fighting. Katie Taylor hasn't fought. Clarissa Shields just fought in MMA. Um, so they have Katie Taylor as number one. Previously, she was number two. Uh, I agree with her being number one. I've always stated to this point that to me, she is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I mean, there's others like David that I believe Clarissa Shields is. And then there's others that I believe Amanda Serrano is. So I think those three women are interchangeable interchangeable in the top three. But I agree with the Katie Taylor. David, give us your uh, your thoughts about um, about why it should be Clarissa Shields. Oh, uh, I mean, I just think that if they were the same weight and fought each other, Clarissa would beat her. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's a way to see it. I mean, that's the, the, the true, the true traditional purest form of seeing, um, of seeing the, uh, uh, um, uh, well, how can I say the, the pound for pound? Cause that's the real why they came up with the pound for pound list. Like if they were the same size, um, who would win? And David believes that Clarissa Shields, I actually, if we put it in those terms, I actually think that, um, that Kay Taylor would be. I think she's more athletic, and I think she's more versatile in her punching power and her in, in her punching. Lupe, what do you say? Uh, if they were the same way, I go Clarissa. Um, I mean, I'm listening to what you just said, and as you were saying, I'm like, yeah, maybe she'd win on points. But I go cl- with Clarissa, and for the pound for pound, I I think I take the the side of it um, changing each fight. So when you know, Miriam, Delphine Pursun. I mean, that's an amazing fight. And then, well, it was Miriam Gutierrez, and she had Maria Declare. You know, I, I think it changes between those two depending on who they fight. Now, in the ESPN pound for pound list, number two is Clarissa Shields. Previously, she was ranked number one. And Amanda Serrano is number three, where she was previously ranked number four. And like I mentioned at the top of the, of this conversation, is that I think between those three women, you could interchange them. And as far as um, um, resume and things like that, you could argue for each one of them. I mean, Amanda Serrano, she's gone mm-hmm. in one title from 115 to 135, 140, but m- many of them have been vacant. She's never defended them. So, how? I mean, she just she won the title, but is she really a world champion in a, in a, in a, in a weight class where – 
it was vacant and she never defended the title, who knows, right? Um, so it's just a, a matter of of, uh, of your opinion as far as what she has accomplished, but we cannot take away the fact her technical, her talent, and the, the fighters that she has fought and beat, regardless of what title she was fighting for or not, we can't deny that. But as far as, like, winning all those titles, for me, that's what I see. David, you think that Amanda deserves that number three or she should be up higher? Um, three for sure. I mean, it's she could be higher. She could. We'll find out when she fights Katie Taylor. Yeah. It, yeah. And is that something that – I mean, that is a fight that everybody has been asking for for quite a while, right, the Katie Taylor fight. And they actually, yeah. at one point, supposedly – had an agreement to fight, it didn't happen, so on and so forth. Um, uh, do you think that it would take her to fight Katie Taylor and beat her to be able to put her up higher than Clarissa Shields and Claire, uh, Katie Taylor? Uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I, re- I really don't know. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, you could you could put her number one if she beats Katie Taylor uh, over uh, Clarissa Shields. But only because Clarissa doesn't have somebody that good to to prove how good she is. I mean, that's the only reason. But um, uh, yeah. I hate to jump over people for that reason. That's why when you say the top three, that's fine because they're all right there. Those three are right there. Yeah. Now number yeah, four, I, is I just a, go top, ahead, Lupi. I say well with the top three. I say Amanda stays three. If she beat Kaylee Tay, Katie Taylor. Then you could play around with it, but I I like the one and two switching around, and Amanda's like, she's right there at three. For me, she stays. Number four, Jessica McCaskill, previously ranked number three, um, so she went down in the ESPN rankings. Number five, Michaela Mayer made a big jump after beating Erica Farias. She was at, well, she didn't make a big jump. Uh, she was at number six, and now she is number five, so she's actually gone up. Delphine Pursuin, who was that number five, dropped down to number six to make room for Michaela Mayer. Christina Hammer, and that is the one that is a head scratcher <laughs> for everybody that follows female boxing. There's no reason why Christina Hammer should continue to be on this list. At one point, she deserved it, you know, when she was the champion at 160 and before she faced Clarissa Shields. But she was undefeated and a world champion. She had been a world champion for a number of years. But now, since then, she lost to Christine to Clarissa Shields. She came back in a in a fight that didn't really make a lot of noise. And now she actually has announced her retirement from professional boxing, at least for a moment, to try to get into the Olympics. And so the fact that she continues to be on this list, and she has been on this list since the inception of the ESPN <laughs> female pound for pound list, is quite. Uh, head scratching. So she drops down from six to seven. She shouldn't be on the list whatsoever. Um, Somebody's then after her. Somebody has Go a ahead. crush on her. Somebody has a crush on her. Somebody has a crush on her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. I like you that, Lupe. Only a woman. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> now, tied at number eight. Tied at number eight, Cecilia Breakhouse, who was previously number eight, and Terry Harper, who was previously number 10. And then at number 10, we have uh, the new inclusion of Sinesa Estrada. So Sinesa Estrada, after capturing the 105 WBA title, be defeating Anabella Vispa Ortiz in a 
you know, a veteran who had defended her title more than 10 times and then back-to-back going against Tsunami 10K and capturing the WBO 108 title now finds herself in the top 10 ESPN pound-for-pound list. So Cienes Estrada, number 10 for ESPN. Now let me tell you what the ring has. And now, like I mentioned, David and I were on the um, panel. Now we're not. Um, no, this is an old pound. For, this is an old. Uh, I can't find the, a newer one. Um, yeah. I don't know what. I don't know what their uh, what what's their latest. It's kind of. Nope, that's not it. Um, I'm looking for. Well, one thing I, I, I say about about pound for pound ratings is uh, is that for instance. Uh, Several of the girls on this list took part in the Olympic trials, and then they yeah. proceeded to lose against an amateur. And to me, hey, you lost to an amateur, you're off the list. I mean, you lost, basically. It doesn't matter if it yeah. was against an amateur. You still lost. So off of the list comes Delphine Pursun. Off of the list comes Christina Hammer. Off of the list comes Maiva Hamadouj. Off of the list for me, Jessica Bob. Oh, because they were on my list. Uh, I took them off, all off the list because they lost. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they lost to an amateur. They lost. So, I mean, they took the chance. Even though they were pros and had an advantage, they went down, and then they went to the amateurs and lost. So, to me, that means they don't they don't belong on the list. Yep. I'm with you, David. Totally with you. Okay, looks like... Uh... Lupe just sent me the list, and it says that it's from July 14th. Let me see. Uh, let me see. It says okay, so September, it looks, it looks, but then it says updated July 14th. Okay, yeah, yeah because it? this one. Okay, so here we have the Ripping Magazine Pound Pound on July 14th, which was what? Yesterday. 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 Mm-hmm. Number one, Katie Taylor. Number two, Clarissa Shields. So there is this, um it stayed in line with the ESPN one. Number three, Amanda Serrano, was as ESPN. Number four, Jessica McCaskill. Number five, Delphine Persoon. On ESPN, they have Kayla Mayer as number five. Uh, number six is Cecilia Breakus. And then they have Mikaela Mayer. Number eight, they have Chantel Cameron. Number nine, they have Sinis And number two, they have Savannah Marshall who is the WBO 168-pound mm-hmm. title. So that is the ring. So a lot of the same fighters, except for Chantel Cameron, who I think deserves it more than Christina yeah. Hammer, obviously, because she is a natural yeah. fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go... Now, listen to this. Listen to this. If we go to the perfect pound-for-pound list for females, and now in transparency, I'm a box rec editor... And the way that the algorithm works for BoxRec <laughs> is that it takes, you know, who you face, who you beat, who you lost to, and then the opponents that you beat, that you, the, the, the people that you beat, the women that you beat in this case, and who they face and who they want to lose. And it's this whole algorithm that gives you points, okay? Huh? Gives you points. Huh? So number one on the BoxRec Pound pound active uh, female vaccine is Sinesa Estrada. Okay, she's number one. So based 
algorithm of who she faced and who she's beat, and obviously beating 10K Tsunami and beating Anabel Avispa Ortiz, who had long, extensive careers, having faced everybody in their divisions, and then her beating them is going to give you a lot of points in their algorithm, okay? Number two is Amanda Serrano. Same kind of story. She's gone in throughout the divisions and beaten a lot of fighters who has faced a lot of fighters. And so she is number two. Number three, now, just so you see the, the, the number of points, that you can see the jump of how many points it jumps up to. Sinez Estrada has 165.7 points. Amanda Serrano has 152.6 points. So they're pretty close to each other. Delphine Pursuit has 98 points. So Amanda Serrano and Estrada are 50 and over 60 points over the third place with Delphine Pursun with wow. 98.29 points, okay? So Pursun is number three. Katie Taylor is number four with 91.2. Number five is Clarissa Shields with 70.74, being that she only has 11 fights and she has been fighting in the heavier wow. weight classes, which the talent pool is not as deep. The algorithm mm-hmm. is not giving her that many points for the fighters that she has been in. Mikaela oh, Mayer wow. is number six with 65 points. Jessica McCaskill is number seven with 61 yeah. points. Number eight is Dana Torsland with 59 points. And really close to her is number nine, Cecilia Brekos with 58 points, almost 59 points. And then number 10 is Chantel Cameron with 58.65 points. So if we go by algorithm of BoxRec, we have completely a completely different list where Clarissa Shields is number five and Katie Taylor is number four. So, you know, it's all objective. It's all subjective, you know. So it all depends on who you like and, and, and what style you like and who you think deserves it. So there we just gave you three different lists, the ESPN Pound for Pound, the Ring Magazine, and the BoxRec, mag- uh, BoxRec website pound for pound list so we'll keep an eye on it as we move on um mm-hmm. and, and then we'll go from there now just recently there were some uh, some fights announced for the near future not in the next couple of weeks but in the next couple once months that are quite interesting so starting off on friday august 20th in el cajon california a suburb of san diego california this fight was going to be televised on UFC Fight Pass. This fight card is actually going to be a special fight card by Ludabella and other promoters that features um, a W... What calories? UBA or WBO? I think I have it here. Do you guys know? No? Um, she is... Uh, you Cali? WBA? Cali Reese is a WBA, WBA champion. Yeah. Um, it's going to be defending her title against Deanna Prazik in the in the uh, main event. Mary McGee, the IBF light welterweight champion, is going to be defending her title against Argentina Victoria Bustos. And Alma Ibarra is going to be in a title eliminator against Candy Wyatt. So those are going to be the three fights that are going to be featured on the paper well the, i don't know if it's gonna be pay-per-view or ju- just on the ufc fight pass also announced on it but it has not been made official is uh raquel miller who holds the interim uh uh super welterweight 
uh, WBA title. Actually, does she? Yep, interim WBA know. title, Raquel Miller. So um, She needs to take a fight wow. is what she needs to do. She needs to take a fight. So people hey, don't and you forget. Know and the WBA has actually, we, we already knew this, but I just saw this on the list here. They have actually um, made it official as far as having a, you know, it's something that's very uh, common in the male side of boxing where the WABA has a super champion and a regular champion and an interim champion in all their weight classes or the majority of the weight classes. They do have it for the 154 pounds in the female boxing where the super champion is Clarissa Shields, the regular champion is Anna Gabros, and then the inner champion is Raquel Miller. And that is the only weight class in female boxing that the WBA has chosen to have that, to have a super champion, to have a interim champion at flyweight and at actually they have it as well at the light flyweight division they have tutti bop as a super champion while lupe bautista as the regular champion and jessica neri plata as the interim champion um and then that is it as far as the super champion for the wba Mm -hmm. hey felipe um i'm excited about this card i really am and i like the fights we already have lined up but uh, I, Bella had said something like this was the road to McCaskill. But I thought he was joking, but he's not. Um, so Ibarra versus Wyatt, David or Felipe, is it confirmed that that's a, um, what, that's the eliminator? A uh, title eliminator? Yeah, for Alma and Candy to fight Jessica, McCaskill. David, do you have info on that? No, I don't. Sorry. I think it is. I think I think I, I think I saw I think I read that it was going to be um, some kind of a eliminator um, yeah. between Alibarra and Wyatt. So it might be. I mean, not that not that making you the mandatory champion, the mandatory is going to get you a chance uh, anytime soon. But uh, but at least she could say that she is the mandatory challenger and keep and, and try to push for the fight. David, do you have any other info yeah. regarding this fight card? out in El Cajon, California, at the Sequan Casino. Uh, I recently spoke to, to Lou DiBella, but uh, uh, I didn't really get to get into details about that. But he did tell me that uh, that they were coming. I don't know exactly where it's going to be in El Cajon. Uh, I guess it would have been It's going to be at the Sequan Casino. They used to have, actually, they used to have a promotional company. I think it was called Ringside or... Or something like that. A long time ago, I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I remember. remember David, they used to have yeah. like they actually have signed at the at the same time they had um they had uh Jorge, Jorge Paez Jr. They had Carlos um, Carlos uh, what's his name from Argentina Carlos Domir, Joan Guzman Celestino Caballero. They had them all at the same time. Israel Vasquez. They had signed. Right. So. Uh, so that, and when they used to have fights there, they either used to have them outside. They would build like a little arena outside, or they would mm-hmm. have them inside like little theater that they had, which was all like one side, and then they would put the ring on the stage, um, which I don't really like that setup, but that's what they would do. Um, I don't think they're. I think they're gonna go with that. It's gonna be very small, um, but I think they're gonna go with that because in the summer. In El Cajon, it's really hot. In August, it's going to be super hot. So I don't think they're going to have that fight uh, outside or that that uh, that event outside. I think they're going to have it inside. Now, 
The week after that, on Sunday, August 29th, on Showtime Pay-Per-View from Cleveland, Ohio, of all places, Amanda Serrano will be defending her WBA and WBC. Uh, is it WBA? Oh, no, it's WBO. WBO and WBC featherweight titles against the current Bantamweight WBC champion Jamiles Mercado, and recently they were in Los Angeles. Just actually a couple of days ago, they were in Los Angeles to announce um, that fight card, and both of them were to face to face. Mercado is going to be making her U.S. debut. It was actually reported by David Avila on the PriceFighters.com that Amanda Serrano, well, actually their her team and the promotional uh, team made a hundred thousand dollar offer to the WBO champion, Erika Cruz Hernandez, who defeated Jelena Moranovic in her last fight to win the title. But Cruz Hernandez decided to say no, um, stating that she had other plans in the near future and that sometime down the line she would be willing to face Amanda Serrano. That's something that we spoke about when Cruz Hernandez actually captured the title. And now Jamiles Mercado is jumping on the chance, moving up in weight to featherweight, and facing Amanda Serrano. David, you were together with Serrano. At, you were at the press conference. Any insight uh, on this fight and how it came about? Uh, well, um, they basically wanted Erica Cruz, but because she turned it down, they just decided to go to the next uh, Mexican champion. They, they wanted a world champion. They didn't want somebody too old or, or, or somebody um, because they tried all the featherweights. The other featherweight is in Europe, and she turned it down. Um, so they went to Yami Left, who had previously fought a featherweight and was willing to move up four pounds to, to fight Amanda. And uh, she immediately said, yes, they, they said that they asked her. She said, yes. They said, well, maybe we should think about it. No, and she said, okay, yes. <laughs> she just said, yes. <laughs> I mean, she. I mean, it has to be the money because they're offering her a lot of money to fight Amanda Serrano, and uh, we're talking about six figures. So, I mean, it's hard to nice. turn that down. And a U.S. debut. Come on. Yeah, I mean, and she's a likable girl. Yeah, I mean, that's a is a really likable person. Uh, she yeah. she's very telegenic. She gives great answers. She's Mm-hmm. You know, she's a world champion Pretty. too. She she has it all. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's... I go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, no, go ahead, Loopy. No, I was going to say, you know, this week there's a lot um, going on with the amateurs, so I've been really following all that, and I saw the Amanda Serrano, you know, the Yam left, and I didn't cover it yet, but I was looking at some of the stuff, and it was uh, God, the negativity of surrounding it. You know, and, and now that I hear, hey, they offered to Erica Cruz and she turned it down, so she's going to MLS. So you got to have the whole story, you know. And the MLS is yeah. another world champion, but the negativity surrounding it, come on. This is a, it's a great fight. And if somebody else well, is going to take it, you've got to find somebody else to take it. she got another world champion. They wanted another champion. So at Featherweight, the other champions are Erica Cruz, who turned it down, well, the only other mm-hmm. champion was Sarah Mahfoud, and Sarah Mahfoud, if she turns it down, then there's no other champion at exactly. featherweight that she mm-hmm. could take on. Now, at super featherweight, she wanted to bring somebody down. None of them are going to take the fight because none of them are going to want to come down, and none of them are going to want to, although it would be a, possibly a 
a uh, record payday for Hu Ming Choi. I don't know about Terry Harper. She might be getting paid a hundred grand or more out there in England. She's a big star. I don't. Maybe a record payday from Maiva Hamadouche. And I'm not sure if Michaela Mayer is making that much money. She might be close, um, but or she might be making more for as far as I know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean these these women at the super featherweight division, they're they're. They're getting ready to face each other, so they're not going to be dropping to featherweight if they could to face Amanda Serrano for the money. So if Mafud said no, then and Erica Cruz said no, then there's no other world champion at featherweight. So she had to look at another division. She looks at Mercado. Mm-hmm. She takes Damiles. No problem. I mean, you can't really criticize it if you know uh, female boxing and you know what the what the landscape looks like and who's who and mm-hmm. where's where and what's get, trying to get done. Now, yeah. in my opinion, this fight is not competitive at all. I mean, we've seen Mercado fight, um, mm-hmm. you know, her, she's just a come forward, no defense type of fighter. And Amanda Serrano is, you know, we just went over the pound for pound list. She's top three, one of the most technical, talented, mm-hmm. talented fighters out there. You know, mm-hmm. there's no competition. I mean, it's just, Mercado has the sweetest deal out there, which would be um, to, and we can't say that she's going to land a lucky punch and knock her out because she doesn't knock anybody out. In 16 wins, she has five knockouts. <laughs> so she has less than, than 50% knockout ratio in her weight class, and now she's going up to 126. So, um, okay. um, never know. You know uh, David, I mean, I understand. You never know. <laughs> you never kind of, know. But it's you not, never it's, know. You can never say that. You, you can never, never know, but I mean, you can make an educated guess, and an Mike, educated Mike Tyson guess could is tell that you that. not going to happen. You know, Mike Tyson could tell you the same thing. Who? Everybody said he was going to lose to Buster Douglas. He got knocked out. A 90 to <laughs> yeah, one but, underdog. But, but, uh, but let's look at Buster Anthony Joshua. Let's look Anthony at Anthony Joshua could tell you the same thing when <laughs> Andy Ruiz knocked him out. Yeah, but let's look you at never Buster Douglas' knockout ratio. <laughs> It's not. It's not less than. 50. Well, actually, I can give you exactly what Jamila's knockout ratio is. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't well, it matter because that shows how much punch. power. No, it, no. It shows how much power has, you have. Just twenty-five percent knockout no knockouts. If she had no knockouts, you could argue that. But it, well, but there's yeah, five people I, that could argue against you. Yeah, I can agree <laughs> that anything can happen and she could land the punch or anything, but an educated guess, the educated guess is it's not going to happen because because uh, because uh, Serrano has faced... You should know better. You should know no, better because you're in the better. boxing that's game. What I'm I, that's a, I do know better, and that's what I'm saying, that an educated guess no, means no, no. that she's not going to knock her out and she's not going to land an, she's not gonna land a good punch and she's not going to knock her out because... She, because she, she's a world champion. She's a world champion. She, she can land a punch. She she's gonna land a punch on Amanda. She is, and you never know. That's why I'm saying you have to play these out. You can't just say, oh, oh no, because of knockout ratio. Uh, no, you can't go by that. These are well, champion versus. Yeah, but champion. I'm not gonna go. So so you're gonna give you're gonna tell me it's fifty fifty odds. I mean, you gotta give it odds. That's what an no, educated but, but, guess is. So there's. But odds. you're saying don't eat. You're saying don't even watch the fight, basically. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't watch the fight. It, I'm just saying you it's are. Not a competitive fight. I'm gonna watch the fight. <laughs> I'm gonna watch the fight, but it's not gonna be a competitive fight. We're just gonna see Amanda Serrano you're, well, possibly you're, knock her you're, out. You're saying it again. You're saying it's not gonna be a competitive <laughs> fight. That's saying don't watch it. I don't wanna no, watch I'm a not competitive fight. 
Well, we watch comp- non-competitive fights every week. Every no, week no, we but watch you're saying don't. You're, te- you're telling the people don't watch this fight. It's not going to be competitive. No, I Basically. didn't say that. Even though you're not well, saying well, that. Not, I, I just said. I, I just said. It's, I, 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 my, opi- my opinion is it's not going to be a competitive fight, and despite of that being that my opinion, I'm still going to watch it because I want to see how quickly Amanda Serrano is going to knock out Mercado. Oh. You know, that is my opinion, you know. But, yeah. you know, but like you say, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Yeah, and and um, and maybe Mercado lands a punch, but odds are she's not. And, uh, but, you, but like we just said beforehand, we can't criticize Amanda because I'm sure that it went after the two other champions in the division. None of them wanted to take the fight, even though there were possibly record paydays for them. And now the next best thing was, Yamiles Mercado, and even if she would have fought any of the other champions at 122 pounds, I don't think it would have been any more competitive than than this fight is not going to be. The, the other fighter that she's fought at 122 that's also a world champion is Daniela Bermudez, and she put up a pretty good fight, went into the late, late rounds until she was knocked out. So, um... I, I, I always like to... I mean, I understand you going to the to the percentages and stuff like that. But, like, like for instance, when Katie Taylor fought Jessica McCaskill, uh, uh, nobody gave Jessica a chance. This is Katie Taylor. And McCaskill actually landed a good shot. And, um, you know, she, she held her own. She held her own. But that's the way I see this fight. I mean, this is champion versus champion. You, you never know. Sometimes... You, anything could happen. Like you could break your like one fighter could break their hand against the other, and all of a sudden the other fighter's in the fight. You know what I mean? Anything mm-hmm. can happen yeah. in boxing. I've seen well, that's it. why the fights the it. fights need to happen. But if we use the comparison of Jessica McCaskill against Katie Taylor, Katie Taylor is not known as a knockout artist. One thing that Amanda Serrano and her team have been tooting on Twitter for the last week is how close she is to being the active fighter with the most knockouts or something like that in female boxing. Mm-hmm. So if there's a female fighter that knocks people out, it's Amanda Serrano. So I think that's going to yeah. be the educated guest conclusion of this fight. So, um, but I'm not saying not to watch it. I'm going to watch it, you know, because I think it's still going to be entertaining for as long as it lasts, because I think Mercado, she is confident. She is a world champion and she wants to go in there and make history, which her winning would be, but and like and I agree with you, David. Anything can happen. I mean, Buster Douglas happened, but uh, but uh, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. But if I had to put money on it, I'm going for a knockout in less than five rounds. <laughs> oh, you know, know one other thing I want to go ahead, David. Go, I want to hear. No, you go ahead, Loopy. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't know about anybody else listening, but the exchange between you two has made me more excited about this fight. Because it's going to be like the Felipe versus David. And I, it, seriously, I'm more pumped than any of the stuff I saw yesterday. This is great. Well, that's one thing about, that's one thing about me. I've, I've known David a long time, and I have, I mean, I don't think you can measure the amount of respect I have for David. So even if 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 Amanda Serrano knocks her out in two rounds, I'm not going to go on the show and tell David I told you so. I'm just going to not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and, and you can brag that. Yeah. No, no. One thing, another, another thing I wanted to add. Uh, uh, it just came up, and I was thinking about this. Is that Showtime's going to be doing this, right? And they haven't yeah. been doing women's yeah. boxing. 
Mm. And uh, while I was there, Steven Espinoza was there. And I yeah. got to talk to him about yeah. that. And uh, according to him, he's looking into it. I mean, he's really uh, thinking about bringing women's boxing to Showtime Back. again. So that's I, I thought that was a great sign. I mean, not a great sign, but, but at least uh, hopeful that one of the biggest networks is going to bring women's boxing, that it's, they're not finished with it. This fight, Serrano's like the entry again. And, uh, you know, I, I hope so. I hope uh, that he does bring women's boxing because uh, we can always use another uh, uh, venue for women. Now, that's interesting you say that, David, because knowing the history of Showtime and female boxing, and more importantly, who was bringing female boxing onto the channel and he actually was on the show here and spoke to us about it. And that was Lou DiBella, who is um, Amanda Serrano's promoter. And basically, he, just long story short, he kind of got in the middle of a Deontay Wilder negotiation when he wasn't really supposed to. And basically, he got banned by Showtime. And Steven Espinosa didn't want to work with him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of started the downfall of female boxing on the channel because Lou DiBella does have a lot of women fighters that he was putting on there, including Amanda Serrano. On um, Now, the other person that was putting on, the other promoter that was putting on fights was Dimitri Salida, along with Mark Taffet, the manager of Clarissa Shields, right? So I find it quite interesting, mm-hmm. David, that, that Showtime's, Toe back into the female boxing water to say like that is with Lou DeBella and Amanda Serrano and not with Clarissa Shields and Dimitri Salida and Mark Taffet. Any any thoughts on that? No, that, that's a good point though. I mean, I'd like to see maybe there is negotiations going on between them. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really talk about that. I just really talked about Amanda with uh, Mr. Espinosa, but um, <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm Maybe there is. Maybe there's talks going on. Who knows? I should really find out. Yeah, maybe there's talks. Hopefully there's talks. I hope Clarissa is not um, forgotten. I hope she's included again. And I hope what happened, what unfortunately happened pre-COVID with, you know, at the weigh-ins and the brother and the co- I, I hope that didn't affect, you know, turn showtime off. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's see what happens there. Another fight that was announced earlier this week as well on Saturday, September 4th in Leeds, uh, England, on the zone is going to be Katie Taylor against Jennifer Hahn. And like Lupe mentioned a, a couple minutes ago how a lot of people are criticizing that Amanda serrano Jamiles Mercado fight. A lot of people are criticizing this Katie Taylor-Jennifer Hahn fight yes. because, well, one of them is Jessica McCaskill and her team with Rick Ramos saying that they what they, they should have been the opponent. They've been asking for that fight for quite some time. Um, he feels disrespected. Then, what's that? I said he feel in his own words, he feels disrespected. Well, I mean, I, I, there, there's other people that actually have some thoughts about about him stating that, you know, about mm-hmm. him stating, saying that he feels disrespected, but that's, you know, we're not, we're not, my opinion is, is, you know, it is what it is, but the fact that, you know, Jennifer Hahn, for those who don't know, is a former IBF featherweight champion. 
She's going to be moving up to lightweight to have the opportunity to fight for the undisputed title. Her last fight was in 2020 in February of 2015 in an eight-rounder. Um, and beyond, before that, she actually defended her title against Lisbeth Crespo back in 2018. Why the hiatus of two years between uh, 2018 and 2020? Because she had a baby. And then from 2020 oh, yeah. to now, obviously, from, obviously, possibly, you know, taking care of that baby and then um, COVID. So there is room for criticism as far as, you know, the opponent moving up from 126 to 135, a fighter that has been very, very inactive with only one fight in the last three years. But Jennifer Allen is a former world champion. She comes from a... A, a very experienced combat sport family. Her brother was actually a pro fighter as well, as well as I think, I believe they were kickboxers as well, both of them. So she knows how to fight. She knows how to fight. She has experience. She has experience at the world-class level. But, you know, mm-hmm. other than her, I don't know what kind of other offers they made with other fighters, whereas they ended up picking Jennifer Hahn. But, you know, we get to see Katie Taylor once again inside the ring, and that will be on September 4th. Lupi, any thoughts on that fight? Um, my only thought is – well, I have a couple. So my first thought is, um, you know, the Katie McCaskill, of course, that's a fight that some people want to see, um, belt against belt. Um, but that's not really the only fight out there. It's one of the fights, but I think there's more fights to that. Um, in that in that division, and the other is what was I going to say? Oh my god, I, I lost my thought. But there are other fights to be made. What do you think? What's your opinion, David? As far as um, as far as McCaskill and her team saying they're feeling disrespected because they weren't uh, given that that fight. Uh, I think it has something. I really don't think. That they were trying to, uh, well, Eddie Hearn and Matt's uh, room were trying to disrespect her. But I think what happened, this is my opinion, I'm just theorizing, is that it's a matter of money. I think uh, they that Katie expects a certain amount of money for each fight, and they have a contract with her. <clears throat> but they don't have enough money to pay somebody the quality of McCaskill. So they got to cut somewhere. So the opponent... So I'm sure Jennifer mm. Hahn's not making near what they would have to offer Jessica McCaskill. Mm. And so they, they said, well, who can we fight that's good, that has a world championship or had one and hasn't lost? And there you go. You get Jennifer Hahn. You don't have to pay as much. She's a good fighter. She'll give Katie some rounds, and you don't, you don't have to worry about the money. I, I think it's a matter of money. It's all finance. Hmm. Also, I believe that, you know, I don't know what Rick Ramos and Jessica McCaskill are offering, but, you know, this is me also theorizing, but let's say for a fact that, you know, Kay Taylor wants to fight at 135 and she doesn't want to go to 140 or 142 or 143 to be uh, belt for belt or or, or at a catch weight. Maybe she wants to continue to fight at 135. She feels comfortable at 135 and she wants to um continue her career there and then maybe in the in in the future move up to 140 143 and face McCaskill again so maybe that is a reason as well that you know maybe they they offered McCaskill um hey let's fight at 135 and McCaskill said no 
and, and let's fight at 140, 143. And Taylor said, no, maybe that's the reason why the fight hasn't been made. I don't know. I mean, that's just another re- reason why it mm-hmm. popped into my head. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Maybe it is a weight issue. Did you get your train of thought back, or did it leave the station? Yeah, it did leave the station. But I, but <laughs> I had another I had another time. I was just thinking, I've seen how um, on social media, Rick Ramos was telling Alma Ibarra, um, you know, not now, you know, maybe later. Basically just dismissing her, but it's funny how now they're having this, uh, and, and like you said, it's an eliminator, but it doesn't mean she gets the fight, but it's funny that she's up for it. You, you know, know? And, and I mean, there's a lot going on. Everybody, everybody has their own plans in boxing, and that's something True. that is quite different than any other sport. You know, in baseball, you get the schedule before the season starts, and then you know exactly mm-hmm. who's playing who, when, what time. Where, mm-hmm. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Same thing with basketball. Same thing with football. Same thing with soccer. Whatever sport, team sport, that's the way it happens. You know, and boxing is quite different. I mean, every fight gets negotiated and things like that. You know, this might be a holding pattern fight for Kay Taylor. She might. There might be in talks behind the scenes with Amanda Serrano. She might want to make an offer for Amanda Serrano after this fight. And if Amanda Serrano beats Mercado. They could do that. And and Jessica McCaskill right now does not fit in that picture, you know. After Amanda Serrano has been, you know, performing on, on a little bit more open TV in uh, Ring City or I think that's the name of the series on NBC and things like that. Yeah, Ring City USA. Higher profile. What's that? Ring City USA. Yeah, Ring City USA. The higher profile fight is Amanda Serrano. So maybe this is a way of kind of being in a holding pattern and waiting to get the opportunity to make an offer, another offer to Amanda Serrano, and McCaskill doesn't fit. Just like, just like McCaskill is kind of on a holding pattern too to see if she gets a Taylor fight and she doesn't want to fight Alma Ibarra, you know, because mm-hmm. fighting Alma Ibarra gets in the way of possibly being able to accept the fight against um Amanda, Ser- uh, um, Amanda Serrano. I mean, against uh, Katie Taylor. So you know, there's, there's, there's everybody. Everybody has their plans, and it's just a matter of of what happens and what doesn't happen, and, and going from there. Right, David? Oh yeah, absolutely. You hit it on the nose. All right. Well, other than that, anything else on the anything else on the fight chatter? Uh, Segment, anything else that you guys want to add or any other news that you might have? Um, well, uh, just a few things that I'm, I'm just thinking about. Um, we're, we're all getting ready for two Foxes International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame on the 14th of oh, May. Yes. And California's finally opened up for our beautiful brawlers show. We're having beautiful brawlers 10 October 30th, the all-female amateur show. Um, and right now, I know... Um, uh, so we we have a I want just want to shout out to our girls at USA Boxing. They're having the summer festival and the JOs. The youth high performance team. Uh, they're in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, our girls Jessica Guerra. She just had a split decision over Ecuador and Jewelry Rodriguez had a uh, unanimous decision over Colombia. And Kayla Rico and Faith Mendez all fight tomorrow. Um, and also a shout out to the U.S. Olympic team who's in Tokyo. We, there's a lot. They're already in Tokyo. Yeah, they are there. 
Wow. And they're saying that the way it's going on is like all the outsiders have to stay Quarantine. in one area. They have to walk in one aisle across from like everybody else. So I don't know. It's very strange. You know what I mean? Like they have to eat in a different place. They have to walk, but all together. Yeah, I, wow. I uh, recently saw that Naoko Fujioka, who just uh, returned from no, the U.S. to Japan, she's in a 14-day mm-hmm. quarantine, by the way. Oh, oh really? Regardless yeah. of passing the COVID test, she's in a quarantine. Where wow. is she right now? Is she over there or here? She's, no, over she's there. in uh, Japan again, but she's in quarantine yeah, and, over there. And they put them wow. up at her expense, right? They put her up wherever, the hotels. Uh, something like that, yeah. They 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 yeah. do have a uh, own places. Yeah, so Tenke and Fuyoka are both in quarantine. Yeah, every the, the entire teams, both teams, are all in quarantine. Oh, wow. Well, they're keep, oh yeah, well they're keeping it. They're, they're they're yeah. Things are starting to get a little bit uh in here in Tijuana at least, and in Mexico they're starting to mm-hmm. get. A little bit crazy again. Actually, in California, they just uh, started. I think tomorrow or the 17th that we're back to wearing masks indoors in California. Yeah, Saturday, like, Saturday 11:59. Yeah, like we were going to the to the groceries. I always wear my mask anywhere I go, indoor or outdoor. Um, so I was going to the grocery store, and you, you know, when they first started kind of like not having masks, you would see a couple people without a mask. And then the last time I went, you just saw a couple of people with masks, and now everybody's going to go back to wearing masks again. So so uh, the, the numbers are starting to go up a little bit. Here in Tijuana, the numbers are starting to go up a little bit, and um, they might start closing down. They're starting to have, like, sporting events, boxing, soccer, baseball with limited uh, uh, audience, and now they might, they're thinking of closing them down again. So we'll see if that happens wow. in the next couple of weeks. So. So our next show is scheduled for July 29th. Go ahead, Lupi. No, I was just grumbling about what you were saying. Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> and let me just give you the upcoming calendar. There's not that many fights, but there is a pretty good fight tomorrow night. If you guys can find the United States, I'm not sure they're going to be televised there, but it's going to be televised in Mexico on ESPN2 in Latin America, actually, not only Mexico, but all over Latin America. And it's going to be the rematch between Lourdes Pequeña Lulu Juarez and Diana La Bonita Fernandez. They faced each other back in 2017 at Flyweight for Lourdes Juarez's uh, Feckenbox, WBC Feckenbox title. Juarez took a, uh, I think it was a majority decision. And now they're doing the rematch with Diana Fernandez, the mandatory challenger at 115 for Juarez's WBC world title, which she won in her last fight against Guadalupe Martinez. So that is Tomorrow night, they both weighed in yesterday under the limit of 115. And on Saturday, July 24th in Germany, Tina Rupkret defends her 105 WBC title against Mexican veteran Katia Gutierrez. And that's the last, the, the, the two major fights are happening um, this in the next coming weeks. Uh, our next show, like I mentioned, is July 29th. Thank you for being with us here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jazz look at female boxing. This was episode number 114. My name is Felipe Leon, David Avila, and Lupe Gutierrez. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody.